And on this episode, we are going to be talking about the Black Mirror episode, San Junipero, uh, season three, episode four, directed by Owen Harris and written by Charlie Brooker. San Junipero is about uh, two young women who meet in the late 80s in a in a club, maybe a club. I don't know what clubs are. I don't go out. Yeah, it's um, a club. In a club. A club with awesome arcade games. Um, Man, the 80s. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's about two young women who meet in a club. Uh, and hit it off. Yeah, I would say, is that the best way to put it? Just kind of like things proceed from there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's a sci-fi twist, because it's Black Mirror. Yep. But it takes a really long time to get to it. It really does. Which was kind of cool. Like, I, I felt like that was that was a lot of fun for it. Yeah, let's move, let's move right from our, like, I don't know, back of the book summary right into that. I thought that, like, the slow burn on the sci-fi was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I have only seen uh, a few episodes of Black Mirror as a TV show, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's an anthology TV show. Um, Correct. Like in the style of like Twilight Zone. Yeah. Uh, And I I watched, I think, the first two, maybe three episodes of season one. And uh, I was watching it with a friend and we both sort of agreed that we weren't having fun watching it so we (laughs) we stopped watching it and started watching something else because typically black mirror episodes are very dark very pessimistic and very heavy yeah pessimistic is uh interesting that you use that word because that's the exact same word that i used when i was asking uh my girlfriend if she wanted to watch this one with me and i said you know my understanding is that the the show is usually a very pessimistic show it's like but that this is one of the more kind of upbeat episodes what i was pitching is like oh yeah let's throw this on during dinner and it was just like a like kind of as we scrolled through the episode she was like what are we watching but <laughs> i was like no no it's like a fun one trust me i think i don't know i was really hoping that y'all hadn't like set me up to fail on that one no no i plan almost worked <laughs> having seen you know, having gotten a taste for what Black Mirror is usually like and, and having that as sort of a, a baseline comparison for just the the tone and the events that happen in San Junipero in specifically, mm. um, I I love how unorthodox and happy it is when compared with, you know, the its its sister content of yeah. the show. Um, it's just it's so cheerful. I love it. <laughs> And it's about ladies falling in love. So, like, I double love it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, going from that, uh, what, what was everyone's response? Or what did everyone think? We know what Corinne thought. Yes. <laughs> I mean, as the only episode of Black Mirror that I've seen, and with no basis of comparison, but just looking at it as a, a single episode of TV, I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, I think the slow burn might have been a little too slow, or at least a little... Um, See, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I was thinking about this a lot today. I like trying to pick apart how I felt about it. I spent, you know, a large chunk of the beginning of the episode trying to deduce exactly what it what it was that we were looking at because I knew it was not the eighties. Mm-hmm. I knew that was not what we were seeing, and they they drop a few hints, but not quite enough for you to know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. 
and like objectively that's kind of a good thing and like a stylistic choice that I that I enjoy but for some reason it it like didn't feel as good in this hmm. I couldn't really say why and like normally I I like when they do things like when things like this are done mm-hmm. like when you when you keep when you can successfully keep people guessing and sort of not quite give away your whole hand right at the beginning, like that's objectively good, but I don't know. There was just something about it. Maybe it was just not quite enough information mm-hmm. or like a little too much so that I was spent so much time trying to figure out exactly what I was looking at. I don't know. Yeah. I would say, uh, Chelsea and I actually had like a lot of fun kind of going back and forth, uh, trying to figure out what the, like when that shoe was going to drop um, and like when it did what it was going to be. Um, I, I felt like that was, it was like a pretty, I was, I was pretty happy with that pace. Um, but I I can't like give a real reason for why I felt like it was, it was good or appropriate. You know, I will say that we guessed a lot of it. Um, we got almost all of it right. Yeah. And you definitely hit points where you're able to, or if you, if you haven't already guessed exactly what's going on, they give you just enough information to know right before, like, you know, before they reveal everything for sure. Yeah. I would say even, even before some of those, yeah. uh, just kind of like picking apart language and just being like, oh, well they said this or like, oh, well the episode is named after the town, not like these other things. So like that makes it feel like it, the town is an important place and like little things little like things that. like the way they refer to the people and and th- yeah the things that are there's definitely those yeah. hints there yeah so it felt it, we felt like we were getting a lot of stuff um pretty early and even kind of before those like oh this is like the key you know slip quote unquote um where like more information is revealed and you know like that that gives context but not in a bad way i i think it's um one of the things where it being a single episode of TV as opposed to a series or as opposed to a film, uh, I mean, even though it's an hour, right? Like, it's not too far off from the length of a lot of films. Um, where that felt really nice. Um, that it wasn't this kind of thing where it was just like, oh, over like 10 episodes, you like slowly figure out what's going on or things yeah, like that. Absolutely. It, yeah, it, it it worked really nicely in that kind of concise way, in that way where you could have those those info drops and you could guess at it and figure it out. And that was all cool because you were never going to just be like, oh, I know your secrets. I know your tricks for more than like three to five minutes um, just because the whole thing is only 60 to begin with. So, yeah. But yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was um, that was good. Interesting sci-fi. Uh, and some things that'll be better to talk about post spoilers. Um but yeah, no, I like it. I thought it was fun. I I always like just like a very human story where the sci-fi is kind of ancillary. Yeah, it's not really the focus. Yeah. Um Yeah, I always think that's that's nice. I feel like a lot of people talk about it's like, "Oh, it, I really try to do like a very very human story except, you know, with robots." You know, and stuff like that. And so many things kind of I don't know, lip service to to that idea. It's always kind of cool when you see something that really does a good job with it. Uh, and I think that this does a really good job with it. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of times when people, there's the pitfall of like trying to explain your science a little too hard, right? And then all yeah. of that's just kind of kind of dull. Yeah. I think when something does a good enough job with the personal story, uh, it's the kind of thing where you can go and just be like, you can have like questions about the science and not really care. You're just like, yeah, no, it was there to support this thing and I don't care. Yep. How was you, Cleo? 
So I really like Black Mirror in general. I've seen most of the episodes, but not all of them. Uh, and this is definitely probably like top two favorite. I, I this and like Be Right Back are probably my two favorite episodes. Um, also, like I saw this episode like after I'd seen most of the other episodes I've seen of Black Mirror, which are really, really just they're all downers. Um, <laughs> and some of them, some of them are not only downers but really intense. Um, like. Unco- physically uncomfortable to watch kind of intense uh and so this was a really nice and again like i feel like i i i have a hard time seeing this in a purely optimistic light and we'll get into that after the the spoiler break but like i interpret a certain thing that happens as not like 100 percent a happy t- situation <laughs> um that i think that most other people i talk to interpret as being like 100 percent happy I think I know both what you're talking about and agree with you on that. Yeah. Because um, it's something that we've talked about in, and I can't even name the episode that we talked about this thing because that's going to spoil it. Um, but it's something we have talked about in a sci-fi episode before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I specifically like this episode so much because all of Black Mirror is so intensely depressing <laughs> that I, it's like having this thrown at you after all of that is... I mean, given I was expecting, like, the at the last minute it would turn out, like, everything was horrible and awful and just the same as every other Black Mirror episode, but it was a pleasant surprise that it wasn't the case. Uh, are there other things that we want to talk about before spoilers? I mean, I feel like this kind of goes... it. It's a less interesting question when we were all pretty positive off of it, but I, I, I would imagine people would recommend this. Um I feel, like, I feel like that's more interesting when people kind of have mixed feelings or are on the fence about something, but this one, it's pretty, I feel like it's pretty hard not to recommend it. Yeah. It's a low, low investment fun, like kind of a hard thing to. Yeah. I would say, especially if you're like hesitant to watch Black Mirror specifically because you've been hearing, oh my God, it's so depressing. It's so dark. Like this episode, it's, you could, you'll, you won't be completely traumatized by it. It's fine. However, do not take that to mean that this episode is representative of the rest of Black Mirror and that if you like it, you will also enjoy other things regard- related yeah, to should, Black Mirror. We should take this opportunity to reinforce right. that Black Mirror is really dark and really depressing and, and you, you won't really intense good. and you won't feel good watching most of the episodes. This is the exception and you should watch it and maybe also the rest of the series, which I intend on doing very soon. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think San Pair is probably one of the better single episodes of television I've watched in a long time. Like, it is just it's a pretty tight story like yeah. just you know whatever I, whatever didn't sit well with you i agree mostly with james that i i think all the information was delivered at the right time i feel like everybody sort of did the right thing where where they spoke as though they were in they all knew the rules of the universe and weren't trying to explain them to people yeah um and uh except for one scene um which which is okay, and I I felt it was totally fine and justified. But there was one specific scene where it felt like a little bit of exposition for my sake. Well, which is totally fine. Yeah, it, it that did remind me though. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know. I I guess I'll also say like as a piece of queer media, um, it's nice to see a happy one. Um, there's been a lot of very very depressing stuff. Um, in just in with 
to do with uh, queer female characters in TV lately. Uh, so it's nice to have happy or mostly happy uh, things. Also, spoiler alert, this is happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, is that yeah, whatever. I also say this is an episode that very much bears repeat watching. Like the second time watching it, I was like, oh, my God, like there's all these things that make so much more sense in context now, the context of the full episode. Yeah. Interesting thing. I found a lot of the dialogue less awkward than my second time watching. I, I feel like the first time I watched it, a, a bunch of things struck me as a little like, little like, I don't know, just not just awkward, I guess is the best word. Mm-hmm. And second time watching, I, I, I don't know, maybe I was like fully on board or, or, or maybe I understood like the rules of the universe better, but it, it wasn't as weird to me. Yeah, I could see that. I only watched it the once, so I, I can't, I can't compare but i there were a few things where i remember just being like there's there's hidden information here and it it felt like i can't tell if this is stilted or if this is uh something that just i i just don't know yet so i could i could see that giving a lot of useful i think that maybe hits closest to sort of what what i was feeling in the beginning of the episode was kind of that like with stuff like this, I'm used to the hidden information being something that you can make a a fairly solid guess at. And at least in the in the beginning, beginning, it was very much like you were dropped in the middle of this. And they weren't giving you that exposition, which again, objectively good. Um but I came I came away from it not being able to to extract as much out of it as I'm used to, I think mm. is what what was going on. And you were mad about it. <laughs> Uh, cool. I mean, with that, should we, should we move into, into our spoiler section? Yeah, I think so. Cool. Um, so the first thing to know about moving into our spoiler section is that, uh, fans of the series will realize that something is different, uh, particularly if you didn't listen to the last episode, which was the first time we talked about it. So if you did, then not so different, but we're not going to be doing a summary for, for this, this topic. Uh, we're testing out, pulling that out. We would love to hear your feedback on that. We are at RWP Podcast on Twitter, and we are Read, Watch, Play on Facebook. Um, please let us know if you think that the summaries were really useful, you want us to bring them back, uh, you're glad that they're gone. Uh, all of that would be super helpful so we know going forward uh, what, we, what we ought to be doing. But for this topic, we're doing a trial run, no summary, so we're going to be moving right into the spoiler section after we talk about our upcoming topic, which is going to be Women of the Apocalypse. We're going to be reading Tank Girl by Jamie Hewlett and Alan Martin. We're going to be watching Mad Max Fury Road by George Miller. And we're going to be playing Horizon Zero Dawn by Guerrilla Games. Uh, for Tank Girl, we are reading the the main story arc. So none of the uh, kind of spinoffs or side stories or anything like that. Just uh, kind of regular, proper Tank Girl. Vanilla Tank Girl, for as much as you can call it that. Um, and yeah, I think that's that is our next time. Does anyone else? They don't want to talk about Women of the Apocalypse at all before we move into spoilers for San Junipero. I'm very excited. Also, the alternate title we kicked around. I just want to say it. I just want to say it once. That's fair. Uh, that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, it was Women Winning the Wasteland. Yeah. So with that though, uh, this is going to be. All of the spoiler warning that you get for San Junipero. It is going to be spoilers after this. 
Um, there will not be a summary. No, no music to gently take you off to spoiler land. We are going right in right now. So spoilers. So everyone's dead. Well, sort of. <laughs> well, Eighty to eighty-five percent of the of the people we see are dead. Yeah. And at any given time, between zero and one hundred percent of the characters we care about. Um, yes. Sorry if you couldn't, you know, pause the podcast fast enough. We got right into that. <laughs> uh. It's funny because during the rewatch of the episode, there was like blatant, like someone, what's his face? Uh, starts with a W. West. West? West. The guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, flat out says like, because they're talking about the locals or like the, pe- the people who like live there full time, the natives or whatever. And they're like, and he says something like, they're all like dead people. <laughs> and watching it the second time around you you realize like yeah he literally means that it's not like it's not just something like a exaggeration um and there are a lot of i mean girlfriend in a coma plays at one time which obviously is a reference to yorkie's state of existence um there's just a lot of like little lines of dialogue that makes so much more sense the second time around just like little references to like the fact that it's the 80s but it but you know, someone makes a reference of like, oh, it looks like everyone's trying too hard, like they saw it in a movie or something. Um, I mean, we even have Yorkie dressed specifically like Ali Sheedy's character in Breakfast Club at one point for like half a second and while playing the music from the Breakfast Club. Yeah, that, I mean that whole scene, right? Yeah, is like songs from films and her looking like the people in those films. Yeah, yeah. though I. Uh... Cleo, uh, specifically with the girlfriend in a coma bit, um, when, when Chelsea and I were watching, we were, as we were trying to figure out, we, we were pretty sure that everyone was dead by that point, or that a lot of people were dead. At large, though, because of that line uh, that you were talking about, where Wes is just like, oh, like, they're all dead. I was like, oh, no. Like, oh, that, they're, all, they're all dead. Yeah, that's, that was one of the big ones, where it was the kind of thing where it's like, oh, like, what a... It, it just felt like the kind of thing where it's like, all right, it feels like the show's going to have, like, a lot of economy of language, and that everything is going to be serving kind of double duty. But the big one, though, is when she's, like, looking at the games and she doesn't want to play uh, the racing game because she's a car crash. And we're just like, oh, so she was in a car crash. But then like, we – one of our big tangents was we were when she, like, has, like, the rum and coke. She's like, oh, like – or Jack and coke. She's like, oh, like, I haven't, like, uh, like tasted in a while. And I was like, oh. And she talks about her fiancé. And we're like, oh, for sure. She got drunk, got in a car cat crash, killed her fiancé. She's in a coma. And – but and, but also in that same scene, though, we were like, oh, when – um when she turns off girlfriend Nicoma, it was like, Oh no, she turned it off because it's like reminding her of this and blah, blah. blah. And then like when she turns off the next song to match her outfit, we're like, Oh damn, maybe we were overthinking that a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but then we felt really good when it came back and it's like, no, no girlfriend Nicoma was still, still a reference. Just not the way we thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh man. We were just like, Oh, we felt so smart. Like when that happened and then she like, she turns off the next, I was like, Oh no, she's just trying on different stuff. <laughs> we're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> You know, honestly, I, I kind of wish that, uh, I, I kind of wish that, I, I don't know, I guess I hadn't seen it already so that we could have had that same, like, sort of. I was, I've been thinking this that entire time. Like, when yeah. Jane, when you talked about how it was you and Chelsea watching it, I was, I was like, yeah, that would have been nice. Like, yeah. it was like, I watched it with someone who had already seen it, which means all of my stuff was in my own head. I wasn't bouncing it off of someone else and yeah. having the back and forth. And, yeah. And like, I, I could have bounced things off of you, but it wouldn't have mattered. No, so. I would have been very deliberately just stoic. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who knows? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. 
but yeah, no, I certainly those like those little like dully, I feel like that made it a lot of fun the first time. And yeah, I'd be really curious like what we catch the second time through uh, that we would have missed. But I, I've got to say uh, we we had we had a lot of fun just taking every single tiny thing. It's like, oh, the walls are blue, like the sky that she saw when she died. It's like, no, <laughs> like it, to the point where we were making a game out of it. It was like, no, we, we know that these are not all. But it does probably mean you caught things that. Yeah, I think we probably accidentally caught a bunch of stuff as we were like <laughs> making jokes about other things. One thing, though, that we did not catch going through but adored at the end is that the company who makes San Junipero named like the good bar after themselves. It's like TC, it's like TCKR uh, Technologies was yeah. the company, and the like the good bar is Tucker's. Yep. And uh. we were just like, uh, and, and we like laughed about that. Like, oh, what a goofy thing to do. And they're like, no, but for real though, they would. Absolutely. Fucking TCK, TCKR Technologies always naming shit after themselves. But uh, that was the thing. It was like, no, but real talk though, an actual tech company would absolutely like name the good bar after themselves. Yeah, that's that feels right. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've got to say that was that like, I think all those things would be fun to catch the second time. That economy of language that like, it feels like everything has kind of a double meaning. I, that, I feel like that made it a lot of fun to watch. I'm glad. I was really hoping that, uh, that you would like this one. But yeah, no, I feel like this was a really fun one. This was, this was a neat little like puzzle box of a sci-fi thing. Oh, speaking of the bars though, can we talk briefly about the quagmire? Uh, partially because it was just such like a, a, a ridiculous thing, but I just want to know, like, I I love the idea of someone writing a script that's just, like, Yorkie walks forward, cut to lady making out with Snake. Like, <laughs> conti- Yorkie continues walking into the club. Evil David Bowie flashes on, like, to left of screen. I would like to mention briefly that I, for about half a second, and I did tell Corinne this while we were yeah. watching, uh, that I, I, honest to God, thought it was going to be a literal quagmire. Because tar pit, <laughs> yeah, the, it's just like like a like a mud pit or because they, she like leaves the city and is out in the middle of nowhere and they do this like medium shot and you just see her from shoulders up and behind her is like a fence and open green and like sky and nothing else. I'm like, she's literally in. The, there's no club here. This is it's a mud pit. Yeah, the there's a literal pit. quagmire and it's like somehow gonna transport her somewhere or there's a bunch of people literally just fucking in this mud pit. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know where they're going with this, but like, what? And then it like cuts to the the like motorcycles coming forward. And I'm like. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Okay, good. It's an actual club, because God. I I'm gonna be real upfront. Uh, I was convinced that uh, Tucker's was like the name of the friend's house where she got drunk, and Quagmire was the thing that she crashed her car into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I got everything right. <laughs> it's kind of it was kind of a shotgun approach. We made enough guesses that statistically speaking, we were probably gonna hit on most of the right answers. We just you know. Low accuracy percentage overall. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a lot of ways, there were there. I feel like there were a lot of ways that like the edgy club could have like gone kind of wrong or you know kind of stupid. And there were parts of it where it was like, eh. But at the same time, the whole episode kind of has enough like kind of kitsch charm to it of just like, no, this is okay. Yeah, I think you know, at like, least I don't have a problem. At least like internally, it I, like they nailed it. Like it was very consistent with the image that they were trying to to put out within this this established sort of universe yeah it probably was just like eh, this feels like you've maybe not actually been to uh 
I don't know that maybe that's not the best way to put it, but just like it feels like such a weird stereotypical like over the top club. Yeah, I was like, yeah, but at the same time, like I said, the whole thing plays with enough stereotypes and not, but which is kind of neat because it's not like the hurtful ones. It's like the kind of goofy, like yeah, this is an '80s club. I don't think they were necessarily setting out to teach people what a BDSM club was like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. But but even just like with like oh like just like people like smoking in the hallways and there's like loud rock music and people on motorcycles and it's just like but the lady makes out with snake, <laughs> like it like that was the thing like it, it felt so like kind of goofily over the top but so much of the rest of the episode was like goofily and playfully over the top that it it felt like it felt fine you know I didn't have a problem with it but I, don't, I feel like so many places like oh it's edgy there's a cage over here or. I just I keep going back to the lady making out with the snake. We've noticed <laughs> it largely because I feel like that's even bizarrely kind of a common shorthand. Like I feel like just a person with it, like just hanging out with a snake. It was in but, it was okay. in Blade Runner. Wor- worth pointing out. You mean like person <laughs> and snake together, not like person making out with snake? Because I have to admit, I don't think I've seen that in anything but this. So if I've been missing these scenes in other things, oh no, this is I would like to know. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to like check against some stuff. But no, I've absolutely seen that before. It's like, oh, this is a creepy thing. This is a weird, creepy place because someone's got a snake and they're like necking with it, but. <laughs> Again, you don't mean around their neck. You mean no. making out with <laughs> I Okay, so our, our topic after Women of the Apocalypse is going to be women Ladies and making snakes. making out with snakes. <laughs> okay. I, I feel like we're all coming down a little bit hard on this. <laughs> Listen, we were there. We, we accepted scary hands. And I feel like now that we're we're in a we're in a post scary hands world where like we don't need to un- like you don't need to explain to us what you mean. You've now chosen just something else. Oh no, no! Spooky hands is way more prevalent. Spooky hands is a a guttural human fear that I think people just don't acknowledge as as much as they ought to. This is just like a weird sci fi shorthand. This was in Blade Runner. I'm the, even just looking at the stuff that we've talked about lady necking with snake to indicate like a club is kind of edgy is a thing that we've already seen. (laughs) This is not that far out there of a statement. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. It's a bit goofy, but (laughs) kind of think of it. I feel like I've probably seen lady making out with a snake at pyramid club in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I mean, listen, that was not one of the ones I was going to focus on as being wholly outlandish. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was we're just on the fact that you that you just can't you just kept coming back to it i you know i i see these patterns man everything is connected by snakes and hands and evil david bowie <laughs> true mastermind we, yeah we haven't even gotten to the labyrinth topic of ever la- 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 labyrinth series of episodes yet which i'm, I'm it's gonna happen yeah anyway i i feel like I feel like Quagmire absolutely went from being the kind of thing where I was just like, eh, is this going to be like weird and dumb to me? He's like, no, it's great. Just like everything <laughs> else is great. Right. Like, and like video game guy, let's talk about video game guy for a minute. And the fact that somehow you can like pick your era and he just always seems to be there. Is he stalking them? I don't know what's up with that, but that he was like in Tucker's in every era that Yorkie jumped to. Maybe it's just like frequency hopping or something, but he just was, it was uncanny. I feel like I feel like he's like the 
the kind of person who just likes to play a bunch of different kinds of games in an evening. Yeah, do you think he like bounce? Can you bounce between? In a single, I don't think they ever show it happening in a single night because every cut to a new era was another week later, yeah. right? Unless that's what he was doing, like unless he's the one doing it. Because like when she goes to the nineties, he's like, oh no. When she goes to like eighty, he's like, oh, golden age, am I right? And then he's playing games again in the nineties, and then he's playing like so almost it's just like DDR. He, he just yeah, he just kind of hops around in order to play the different games on her schedule, though. Yeah. Unless this is like a Bioshock Infinite thing, and he's a constant. Like, what if he's part of the program? He's one of the Lutessas. Yeah, exactly. He's not even a person. He's just, he's the guy who hangs out at the video games, and he's the only person that is part of, like, the San Junipero simulation. The only one. Yeah. Oh, no. I imagine, like, the bartender, he's a real person. He just got stuck having to work. Everyone else just gets to do this. He was, like, the first one there, and they're just like, guess what? We need someone to serve drinks. We forgot about this. You're in charge now. Poor guy. That's my guess. I feel like I, I was actually thinking about this when I was watching. I was like, is that a is that a person? Does he just work here? Like and I was like, maybe it was always just his dream to own a bar and that's just what he wanted to do. You just set up shop. Yeah. Yeah. That's the much better yeah, I like that. Great. <laughs> Heaven's what you make of it, you know? But I mean that's the it's like, yeah, the the idea that that they don't have to install a program into Sandra DePero to be the bartender because this guy comes in and is like, man, I always wanted to own a bar and I never got the opportunity. And they're like, well, this is how Sandra DePero could be great for you. And he just not even own, just work at it. <laughs> they, they very explicitly had to, had to push a patch to all to like that instance of Sandra DePero to remove the AI bartender. Yeah. Just, so just for only, him. <laughs> only whichever decade he chooses to go to, unless you think he, he posts up and, I guess you probably have to, God, right? You probably have to post up in a single decade. Yeah, just... I don't know, because she balances. Oh, if you're working? No, if you're dead. I don't know. Because uh, there's no evidence that... Uh, there's no evidence that Wes is dead. In fact, Wes is probably alive, given the way he feels about everybody else in San Perro. Yeah. And we never see... They're in the 80s after uh, Yorkie dies. Yeah. And there's no evidence that they leave the 80s after that. Yeah, but I think largely just because we don't get a lot of after that. Right, we don't. And but We don't get a huge amount of context for uh, the the residents. But just thinking about it, like, logistically, like, I guess unless you can, like, snap your fingers and choose to hop to a different uh, decade, right? The the people, what we've seen, like, the people who choose to go into San Diego Perro have to choose a decade, and then they're there until they get pulled out of San Diego Perro, and then they can go into a different one later. Listen, we've solved this problems in present-day MMOs. I'm pretty sure they can figure <laughs> out how to re-instance a player to a different, like, server instance in San Diego Perro. Listen, you're, you're probably right. But it, it's interesting, though. I mean, because... That would kind of suck. Yeah, I mean, like, I, you know... I would imagine we're going to hit the which rea- like which of these would you rather live in when we hit our topic episode, and I feel like that's uh like that that would be a key thing for me is that question of would you be able to bounce between them once mm-hmm. you're a resident? And it's it really just eighties in general, nineties in general, and two thousand two specifically. <laughs> no, because there were there were two in the eighties, but yeah, they it, they absolutely treated as just like vaguely speaking the eighties, the nineties, and two thousand two. Yeah, that, that was just my fa- <laughs> like one of my favorite lines. He's like, "Well, I saw her that you should check the nineties, and I think I saw two thousand two once." And I'm like, "Wait, yeah. why are that? What? 
hold on. They they haven't they've solved a lot of problems in this future, but they still haven't figured out how to talk about the years. <laughs> yeah, the, the decade that comprises two thousand to two thousand and and nine, I guess. Yeah, you know, the like the knots, the aughts, the ooze, yeah. like who knows? Yeah. They, they there's yeah. no linguistic convention that works in this future. I, I think that was a fairly elegant sidestep, all things considered. Like, yeah. it, it feels a little <laughs> bit weird because it's the only specific year. And then when she gets there, there's the TV that has on, like, in the top right corners, it's something that just says, it's 2002. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe was a real thing. I don't know. It was but... like pop hits of 2002 or something. Like, they were playing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except it's specifically that the graphic says, it's 2002. <laughs> <laughs> just like... In, uh, in case you forgot, I don't know, but uh, it's the only footage they could find yeah. and license. <laughs> I hope yeah, it's that just was a actual, real thing. It's just yeah, actual footage it. from something from 2002. Yeah, it's just like MTV like New some, Year's Day. Yeah, it's yeah. the it's all they could get, and so they had to just work with it. Yeah, Beach ones. I love the current year. <laughs> 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 that hit series. <laughs> Uh, Cleo, I think I cut you off earlier. Oh, no. I was going to say that we could, I mean, tackle that one question now. Like, if you had to choose one decade, and it's a really exaggerated version of that decade to live, like, your entire afterlife in, which one would it be? Oh, that's rough. Listen, like, I... I'm only 25. I don't know that many decades. <laughs> but the thing is, is, the fact that we lived in those decades, like, does the fact that a decade in which we did not live and did not experience play into this at all? Like, do you lean 80s because you can, at, I mean, is it forever and forever is forever? And that's daunting and problematic and Jesus Christ. But like, is the idea of living in a decade which you did not get to properly experience Either you didn't get to experience at all with the 80s for at least, I think, most, maybe all of us. Yeah. And then I, I, I don't none of us would have experienced the 80s in any meaningful way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, or or the 90s, because, you know, we were we were all kids. But like so that gives us 2002. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's got to be 2002. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm saying I wouldn't want to. That, that eliminates 2002. Yeah. You would you would pick one that you didn't get to be in. Right. Because it's not about the nostalgia for what I had. It's about getting to experience something that's new. Because if I have to do this forever, a lot of it better be new and interesting. Uh, I probably, you know, considering that this would most likely happen when I was old and gray. And I had many more decades to choose from. I'm going to pick one in the future. Whichever one has the coolest, like, it it technology. Yeah, the 2070s are going to be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to them. Well, but do you think there's a reason that what we're seeing in San Diego is what we're seeing? Uh, yes, because I think that this was meant to be put in a place in time where people who were teenagers in the 80s were old and dying. This is the, this is a this is 40 years in the future, maybe, where uh, people grew up during the 80s and specifically have childhood nostalgia for that time period. Yeah, I mean Kelly does reference nostalgia a couple times. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, she's explicitly talking about like that. Much of the point of this is to. Uh, go back and re-experience those things that that you had yeah the people of san junipero are meant to be age-wise our contemporaries or or probably the contemporaries of people like roughly 10 years 
well, maybe even more than that. Maybe like, you know, ten years older than us feels right. Yeah, ten-ish years well, older. Than yeah, us. maybe fifteen years older than us. Yeah, like people who who have experienced and remember the eighties, the nineties, two thousand two, and have specific younger person nostalgia for that time. Right. At least that's how I interpreted it. Then that's more or less what I was thinking. That'd be my guess. One thing that I would be really curious about, though, is I don't, it, I can't speak to this because I'm not, like, 80 yet, but I I feel like my instinct, though, would kind of like what you were saying, friend, would be to shoot later for some of the reasons that we actually talked about in, uh, back when we were talking about replay, um, but with the fact that, like, you know, as, as he's, like, reliving his life, right, like, he there are like books and movies and music and stuff that he knows about but can't interact with because they won't come out for five more years, ten more years. Which is the kind of thing where I'm just like, well, considering my preferences and my habits and stuff, and it's not as though there's not like lifetimes of stuff to see and do and play and read, whatever. Today, I feel like, yeah, I would just pick the latest point that I could if part of the conceit is that you would only have access to things from that time period. Um, Cause I would like, I feel like I would be really bummed if it was just like, man, I love me some future band, but I can't get the cassette because I mean, I love Devo too. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but like, I can't get the cassette because I'm like, I picked the eighties and like the simulation is internally consistent to some degree, you know? Yeah. But we also don't know, is it the kind of thing where it's like, can I get, and I don't know the release dates for like all of the songs that she listened to when she was like trying on outfits well enough to know if all of them would have been accessible in uh, whatever year uh, everything starts in. Right. Because there's that part of it's like, oh, like that would, that would honestly affect it. And it yeah, would like if you're, in. if you're sitting at home in your San Junipero house, like, can you pull up some like future media server program and just have access to any media that has come out so far into the modern day? Yeah. You or... just have to play with my cassettes though. <laughs> yeah. You just like, a... you just like press a button on a machine and it pops out a cassette that the, um, you then feed to the VHS. Yeah. Or the, the VCR. I mean, yeah. is that the thing? Yeah. You would use whatever like the, the, that day equivalent would be like, you take out your Atari and you put in like a, cartridge and you get to play halo you know, like yeah a, like gta yeah, 5 halo like PS5 something modern. Game. yeah <laughs> um and we're gonna listen to this 20 years from now and be like ah halo oh Remember god we thought that was a reference that was worth making we're dating ourselves yeah. we're but, future dating ourselves what i don't know sounds Date, weird what? no yeah what decade can i make out with snakes in all of them probably not the 50s apparently all of them at least the 80s but yeah so i don't know i was like i feel like that would be my instinct like but then i'm like well but as an old person, would I be, like, scared of what the youths are doing, like, at that time? Would I not know how to fit in with that? Would I go to Tucker's, like, looking for other people and just be like, what is happening? Like, I don't like this. I don't want this. But would you also – is Sandra DePero – well, I guess – so this is one of the other things. Like, the idea to me of Sandra DePero is that you would be the age that you were during that time period. But it doesn't – I don't think that holds up because Yorkie's about the same age. Well, that's age the thing. It doesn't hold up because they're the same age in all of the time periods yeah. when they jump around, which op- for obvious reasons. Um, so I just wonder if – I mean, I guess that has to throw that conceit out the window. I mean, like, unless It works just, if like, they hadn't left the 80s. Yeah. I mean, but, unless you can just, like, customize your avatar, right? Like, they're always, like, up to date for that time period. Right. But so I don't know if it's just, like – I don't know. Yeah, I'd be curious. Like, do you, like, pick some basic defaults and just be like, I have this, like – 
color hair or I have I'm roughly this tall. My face looks like this. And then it's just like, okay, well, like this is we're going to put you in the style of the time or do you get to pick? I don't know. Right. Apparently you get to try on different clothes. So yeah. that's still a thing. It's just the character creator. Yeah. She just the Fallout 4 character many. She's literally just standing in front of her wardrobe not doing anything, but in her head she's seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that sequence in real time. Which I mean like maybe we did is kind of the fun conceit yeah. there. Maybe changing the the music and the cassette is actually changing the outfit. I I literally just thought the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like that's the hard thing is I I don't mind that the episode doesn't answer these questions because it's not what it's about. Yeah. But if I were to pick a decade, I feel like that would be my big thing is I would I feel like that would be an important conceit to me. I, I think like... it's safe to assume that all of those things are probably true. I feel like ultimately uh where i where i would choose would be wherever my friends were because that's kind of how i am as a person in terms of like where am i gonna live well i don't know who can i who can i scam into living with me justin i mean the way you that's the way i would recommend anyone buy like video game consoles and stuff like it's yeah who, like, who can i scam into buying this with me <laughs> No, get the one where your friends are. <laughs> <laughs> and same, and same thing for, like, choosing a server in an MMO. Where yeah. it's just like, yeah, yeah. no, like, what? Which, I mean, ostensibly, that's what this is. Yeah, You've exactly. You've already made that comparison, right? Like, So maybe that's the maybe that's the way to do it. And just That case, I would just, I would make all of you live in the 90s with me. I'd be pretty okay with that. James doesn't sound like he'd be okay with that. I could make it work. I could make it work. <laughs> I don't think you could say that. In the 90s, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race wouldn't have been out. Oh, God. <laughs> but RuPaul First would of exist. All, dating ourselves. I'm not dating ourselves. I'm dating the 90s. <laughs> it is a objective fact that RuPaul's Drag Race would not have been out in the 90s. But RuPaul's get... Drag Race as a cultural force. Uh, before we get I... too far into RuPaul, uh, <laughs> to be fair, uh, Make It Work is Tim Gunn. So, uh, probably oh, fuck. Work, not yeah. Nope. I'm terrible. I, okay, I, I don't actually watch joke. any of these shows. I thought you were just referencing because I'm obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race and you were like, Cleo, you obviously cannot exist in an era of pre-RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention it, but then we kept talking about it. <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's fine. I, it's fine. I think you're going for Make It Work and that's totally fine. But <laughs> I probably honestly am just conflating it with uh, the song begins with you better work. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably where it came from. Got it. Okay. Yep. That's fair. Glad I said that on mic. Yeah, I'm really glad we <laughs> got that. That's, we need to cut that out and sample it. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, anyway. We have talked a lot about where we would want to live and what these universes and the internal mechanisms and all of that has been really fun. But we have also not talked much about the back half of this episode and a lot of the important and emotionally heavy stuff. True. Uh, so very briefly... Uh, the scene where I think they get a little bit exposition heavy, and I want to kind of get this one out of the way because I do feel like it is sort of the the one awkward, sort of necessary rough patch in the episode, is when uh, Kelly and Greg are sitting in the cafeteria, and overall, it's a really great scene. They do a really good job with it, except for the part where Kelly explains the uh, the terms of the trial access to San Junipero to Greg, who obviously understands them. Yeah. And it's a kind of, it's not a big problem, but it was, and I think the fact that it is the only part of the episode that feels like this is a testament to how well written the rest of the episode is. 
However, I think we would be doing a disservice to the episode as a whole if we didn't say, yeah, there is that, that like five seconds where she's just, she basically just like turns to the camera and says, we are only allowed five hours a week because they say that like, you can get like disassociated from the real world if you do it for too long, which is why the whole midnight thing was happening before. But and that's the thing, back right? To Greg and continues their conversation. Like, I feel like that's of all of the things they could choose to get exposition heavy about. Like, we probably had the most context for this thing being what was happening. Like, yeah. there was this obsession with you know it's midnight, it's going to be we have time, we only have so much time left. Blah 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 blah. Like, yeah. like all of those references were dropped from the very beginning. Like Wes at the very beginning was like, yo. Two hours, two. 35 minutes. Like, yeah, that. Yeah. Of all of the things they could have chosen to turn to the camera and explain, this is like the strangest choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's the kind of thing where it didn't bother me a lot, but it did seem. No, not at all. Pointing like, out I, it's kind of one of those like, yeah, it, it, it's the rough patch that I feel like helps really drive home how smooth the rest of the episode is. So do we want to get into the the heavier stuff? Uh, I mean, specifically, uh, Justin and Cleo, do you want to talk about um, the the part that I, I want to know if you were thinking of the same thing? Because as as do I. So, like, Cleo, I'm what? I'm so excited to find out that you that you weren't, and that's <laughs> going to be a very awkward conversation. I'm, I'm waiting for it. All right. Don't, don't you worry. <laughs> so, the other episode that we cover something similar on was Altered Carbon, um, which is the idea that, so you have some kind of, like, chip in your brain, and then you you and your consciousness is somehow on that and then you plug it into something else and suddenly you're really there but i don't see any way in which that can still really be that once they die that that's still them and not just like a copy like i the way i see it is that there could be no other explanation i mean logically those are copies of them that are living forever happily in san junipero that's not like the versions of them that we saw throughout the episode prior to their deaths like i I, it's, you know, a copy of their personality and their memories. It's not actually them. And so that, to me, leaves kind of, like, it makes it a little bit darker for me. And I've gotten into, like, into debates with people about whether or not this is true. Like, some people are like, oh, well, like, in this universe, maybe, like, it somehow could really be their consciousness there. And I'm just like, no, there's no, it's, in my mind, there's no way that could actually be them and not clones. Or, you know, not clones, but, like, copies more or less what i was thinking um it was really it was really just how uh like the ending the ending ending the closing moments of the episode are ominous the machine you know the the like one-armed weird machine moving shit around in like the tckr Mm -hmm. facility and like slotting them into this thing and they're just these like little usb drives of data and whatever and like you know filling out the server like that whole thing is like very from what I again I haven't seen other episodes but from what I understand of Black Mirror Black Mirror-esque ominous like it's it's how this technology isn't maybe quite what we actually think it is and that it's not all peachy keen and that this is like these are just dead people and these dead people are 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 getting this sort of like consolation prize for dying Mm. but they're dead they're very dead their consciousnesses are not here they're just they're dead so Here's the one thing that I would, that I was, I was thinking about something kind of similar. Um, and I generally agree uh, with Cleo, what you were saying with the sense of like, eh, it's kind of hard to think of it as like, oh, that is them. But 
for me, I read that last scene as actually the opposite. Um, and as the thing that was like, oh, this sort of suggests to me that there is this sense of um, uh, continuity there. Or that, and again, it, whether or not that, that feels like a like a fair sci-fi jump to make is kind of separate. But to me, that scene read less as ominous, more as um, there is a large company spending the money to run a whole server farm that runs the simulation with these versions of people um, who would not do that if there wasn't some belief that this was representative of the person and that it was worth preserving them. Uh, because the thing that it made me kind of wonder about was kind of a sense of um, it. The, the ominous ending that I was expecting was they do that, they get there uh, and then the robot just like turns them off or something, right? Like they, they think that they have this happy ending that makes it easier for them to end their lives in their physical bodies and then so the company is just putting up this front of this idea of heaven to make i don't i I thought that it was going to be this allegory for the idea that heaven is there to make you feel better about dying but doesn't actually exist the the sort of soiling green thing have if if you've seen it like you know yeah kind of the you you get in here and it's going to be great and happy and everything's fine and then except without the weird kind of consumerism uh, yeah, I mean, a completely that, separate, but just like yeah. that, that single, right? But that, sort of. that's that's what I thought that um, that the the dark turn might be that the whole thing was they've created this idea like a, a heaven that you can test drive and that you can be convinced is there even if you are not of spiritual ilk, mm-hmm. um, and but that it's not heaven and that it is just kind of this temporary MMO. You go into that. You have this sense that you're going to a better place and you're going to choose this thing where you're going to get to live forever. Better being in quotes because there there are kind of ominous aspects to a reality of living in a computer. Um, but that the, the dark twist was going to be that you just get turned off. None of it's real. All that stuff you interacted with was a simulation. Uh, you interact with other people in that trial version so that if you check up against them, there are things for that. But that otherwise it is it is just a program, you know? And that they turn off all the people and that that's why video game guy is always there. That's why the bar guy is always there. That's why, you know, the regulars are always there because they're just programs. Um, And that all that it is is a way to make people feel better about dying. Um, So that was the thing. I I think it was really interesting that you uh, that your reading was that more ominous thing um, because I hadn't really thought about it that way. I thought about it as mainly as, oh, no, there's someone putting effort into maintaining these these things as opposed to just being like like just throw it in the trash or like it's not a real thing you know but yeah yeah i mean i can definitely see where you're coming from yeah and maybe the argument is that all that they're doing is collecting data to help so you've got these copies and then you put them into that world that people then come and test drive and so it makes it feel more real and so it is that whole thing of just like yeah heaven doesn't exist if you go to the point where the copy doesn't exist but the benefit that the company's getting is that they can make their San Junipero instances seem more real because you have copies of real people as opposed to AIs. And that's sort of what I was thinking as you were going through that was that yeah. the the benefit, like how what are people, because we don't have an, a, any idea of how all the rest of that works, right? But like what are people paying for access to San Junipero before they die? Yeah, who knows? But but yeah, so anyway, I, I thought that that was, that that was interesting. Um 
because I I took it as as much more optimistic, um, specifically in that you know oh well someone's maintaining this, because um, I totally thought it was going to be just like yeah and then they die and then they just die, it's all fake. Yeah, I mean that that would have been notably worse. I thought the scene where uh, Kelly talks about her husband uh, and her daughter was um, was really good. Uh, and she talks about like the the thing that her husband said when he was offered San Junipero, and he's just like, "Oh, like if like if our daughter didn't get like a chance at that, like why do I deserve it?" Um, I don't know. I thought that was based on the way they had her talking about her husband, and just like, "Oh, like he had his views." Um, it it was the kind of thing where I was like, "Uh," so it feels like the show's gonna have a hard time like convincing me that he had like a, a decent reason for that. And it felt it, like it was setting up for me to, to not feel uh, like sympathy or empathy towards the husband because I was invested in Kelly and Yorkie's relationship. And it, it felt like the point of that was for me to be like, Oh no, he was kind of closed minded or he didn't like want this other thing. He was very traditional or something like that. Um, he might not have approved of these things. He might've uh, not approved of Kelly being bisexual or something like that. Um, but then when it comes around, it's like, no, his views were because we had this daughter and she didn't get a chance. Like, I don't want it. It's like, oh, wow. Like, I, I was not expecting them to come around and flesh out those views in a way that made me actually feel for that. Um, I thought that that was a very well done kind of turn there. I mean, I also think there was the the religious angle of, you know, he not necessarily believing that maybe the sort of vibe I got was that San Junpero would block you from yeah from like from from real heaven yeah. from real heaven and that he was uh his belief was that his daughter was there and that he would join her there yeah but that very specifically Kelly never saw eye to eye with him on that yeah for, on that idea because she does have that line right during that speech that like I like to believe that they're together somewhere but i can't really quite bring myself to yeah okay i was making sure i wasn't mixing this with something else yeah and i i think that you're right that that was an element of why uh her her husband would have thought that way um but i think the big thing for me was just i i was so ready for that to be the entirety of it you know yeah Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it was deeper than that was really yeah that was the kind of thing i was like oh no like i that i like that i can get more behind that sense of like of like survivor's guilt, right? Like that they're they're they outlived their daughter and she didn't have a chance for this thing and why why do they deserve this better, you know, quote unquote, supposedly, uh life when someone else lost theirs, you know? Um I don't know, it just felt like that was a I don't know, that just wasn't something that I was that wasn't something I was expecting, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been really easy to use the just like, oh, yeah, he was very traditional as kind of like a, a shorthand for, for all that kind of stuff and just kind of wipe it away like that. And it makes yeah. it very easy to to push against her wanting to be with him because it's just like, oh, he's just traditional and you clearly are like have these like bigger ideas. And what does that mean about like the rest of your relationship or anything like that? Um, but to ground it a little bit, I think it was nice. How did everybody feel about the romance? We have we very specifically like not talked about that very much. Yeah. I mean, I already, 
I love both those actresses in general already. Um, Kelly, what that was the character's name, right? Kelly. I'm not making that up. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the actress who played Kelly was in Belle, which is one of like my favorite movies. And so I was really excited to see her in an episode of Black Mirror also, and not like one where she suffers a horrible fate. Um, I don't know. I mean, I thought like, it was definitely like, a, I, I mean, again, we'll talk about this more in topic, but like compared to our last episode, this is definitely much more like a romance that like I felt was more relatable and like something that's a little bit more desirable than, um, certainly other Black Mirror romances as well. Yeah. I mean, it all, it all felt very very natural nothing about it was felt forced or stilted and there was the sort of natural like they created these two incredibly fleshed out characters and there was a lot of interplay to the way the two of them were feeling about their own lives and about each other and about their relationship and 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 the conflicts there and all of it was sort of really well done yeah i agree um the only i guess the the only thing that felt weird to me was Kelly's turnaround. They go from that, like that intense, deep pushback against the idea of Sandra Napero, and then, okay, cool, we're gonna go. I I agree. I actually that was something that I had been thinking about a bit um, after the second watch was the the way that they chose to portray Kelly deciding to go to San Junipero, and you know it, it cuts from argument on the beach and then just you know everything's sort of like left messy and unresolved and then her just sort of a couple scenes of her just being sick and sort of contemplative and then her you know turnaround and i was thinking about it a bit and i was like you know i actually i kind of like the way that they did it because it, you know, they didn't show her being, like, worn down or convinced. It, it was very much, you know, it, it was brief. And I think probably because of the length of the episode and everything else that they packed in, it had to be brief. Yeah. And maybe if it had been a couple scenes longer, it would have felt a little better. But ultimately what they were saying was, you know, she, she like, was retrospective. She thought about it. She and she came to the decision on her own. Like she, she t- had taken in everything and then thought through what she wanted and then made her choice. Yeah, and I can definitely see that. And I think a big part of it is they wanted to make sure that you, the viewer, get the idea that this takes place from like between midnight Saturday and like seven the next Saturday. Like before she gets another opportunity to go to San Junipero, this like thing has happened. She has had this time to think and she has made this decision on her own. Oh, like before she would even be like capable of talking to, um, to Yorkie again. I almost would have liked a scene of her, like refusing like the next week's session in order to spend more time, like thinking through what she wanted. I feel like that might've been, I think I put that scene in, in my brain. I did as well. But now that that it was more than a week. Yeah. I, I, I also saw that as being a a more extended time period, but now that you have given me your interpretation of it, I realized that that wasn't actually present. Yeah. There's no evidence for that. It's just, I think an assumption that it sounds like we both arbitrarily made. Yeah. I think the flip side though, that I would have liked to see would be maybe like 
one more conversation between between Kelly and Yorkie. Not even necessarily about the 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 staying of it, but just like the almost repairing what was broken by that conversation and by those like what like they left both their relationship and everything like like you said everything was up very messy and sort of unresolved and not not settled and then we just get we get the the important part which is Kelly making this decision on her own and not being you know worn down into agreeing to do it yeah um but it goes from all of that happening to them being, you know, happily married in San Junipero and, and, and everything being great. And I don't, I, it's not that I don't believe for a second that they would not get there, but just that it's, it, it feels almost lacking in that sense. I guess ultimately a lot of the ending was a little rushed and I don't think we needed any of the stuff we didn't get. It just would have been nice to have. Yeah. Maybe like maybe a scene of her coming back in on you know a whatever day Saturday Sunday Saturday Saturday coming back in like on even a Saturday. even telling her that like look I've made the decision yeah like, yeah this is what I've come to and 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 we're gonna talk about this and we're gonna repair you know the the problems that that have arisen from a relationship based on on last Saturday and and you know tomorrow I'll be here for real like maybe something like that I don't know if that would have I mean I don't even know if that would have made it worse but in in my mind looking at these things this is the kind of stuff that i feel like i was i was missing I as I, I was thinking back on the episode i think i can see a scene like that changing the pacing for sure like, and that, that's part of it like the yeah good sorry go ahead um because like i don't know i i feel like a a big like like heartfelt deep conversation um like so closely after the big like sort of emotional climax uh of of the episode which was the you know the my husband's dead my daughter's dead and this is why i don't want to stay like you know argument um i feel like it it probably wouldn't have felt great from a pacing perspective although narratively we want it so hard to say you know whether the right choice was made or not um but you know if the question is, is pacing more important than narrative or is narrative more important than pacing? Like who knows? Yeah. And I, I do think this is the kind of stuff where like, if, if this episode of black mirror were a movie, you know, we would, we would be able to have these things and we wouldn't have to worry about pacing issues because it wouldn't be about getting to a good place and then having, you know, 10 minutes of airtime left and needing to, to fit in everything that's important as best as you can while cutting the things that would slow it down or make it, Mm. you know, overlong or or any number of things all right so with that i think we are going to wrap our san junipero episode uh we will be back to it in our topic episode which is coming up later but not next next is emily is away uh and then yeah and then we'll be talking broadly about digital romance on the whole and then women of the apocalypse heck yes the natural progression <laughs> i think so um feels right yeah uh, all right, cool. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is tell a friend about the show. You can also rate and review the podcast on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us at RWP Podcast on Twitter and like us at facebook.com slash Podcast.
That was great. Pure physical comedy. Uh, pure oh, visual physical. Wait. Yeah, that, visual comedy. Visual. Jesus Christ. Pure visual comedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One wow. more try. Wow. One more try.